From City Bridges, this is Randy Bartlett, and this is We Make the Road by Walking, the podcast where I talk with people from all walks of life about the paths they have traveled and what they have learned along the way. I'm really excited about our guest this week. One of the joys of this podcast is that I get to meet new people and hear their stories and hear their paths. I'll let them introduce themselves in just a minute. And I hope you will continue to share the stories that you hear here, but also the stories that you hear in your lives about the paths that you have led, the paths that others have led. Uh, Share what we do. Give us a five-star review. And if you have a story that you want to tell, please reach out. So without further ado, uh, welcome to this week's episode of We Make the Road by Walking. I'm so glad to have you here on our conversation on We Make the Road by Walking. As with everyone, I'm going to start out by asking you to introduce yourself and explain what it is that you do. Thank you for having me. My name is Sandra Villarroel. I am a woman who was born in Chile and immigrated to the United States when I was 24. And I have been living in the United States for the last 14 years. And I developed a career as a wedding photographer here. And now recently, I uh, have my own charity project where I help um, immigrants and specifically the displaced people and displaced women that are currently living at the border of the United States and Mexico, waiting to be accepted as refugees into the country. There's currently a refugee camp there. And so I have been bringing help and specifically bringing awareness about the situation there. So how did you decide, I'll ask about your story and your own personal journey, but what motivated you to uh, start your organization to help uh, specifically women uh, at the border? I think in order to explain you how I ended up in this path, I need to explain you a little bit of my own personal path in the past. I grew up in a house that it was uh, it was a really abusive household. So I ran away from home when I was 15. And I lived in the street from 15 until 21. And so in the street, obviously, um, I, I got to witness extreme need where sometimes I didn't even have soap or toilet paper so I could go to the bathroom. And even less food or, or water or like pretty basic things. Experiencing need also gave me the opportunity to, to experience the compassion of other people. And if it wasn't for those people who helped me survive all of those years, I probably wouldn't be here today. So I was uh, fortunate and I was able to get out of the streets and I went to college and eventually I got married. I moved to the United States. I went through an immigration process. And then at the end of that, uh, I was able to obtain my citizenship. And I started my own business as a wedding photographer. And so as a wedding photographer, I used to go to the, to the weddings in downtown Pittsburgh. And whenever I walked out of weddings, I would see a lot of homeless people. And it was very triggering for me because I, I wanted to help them, obviously. I know exactly what it is to be sitting down on the floor with your hand extended, asking money to eat, and cold, sometimes humid. 
So I wanted to help them. So I started stealing cookies out of the cookie tables at weddings. And I would walk out of the weddings and give them around to the people that were sitting on the street. And then I realized that there was a lot of food waste in every event that I photographed. I thought it would be so nice if somebody could use that food and feed them to the people in the streets. And so I had that in my mind. And later on, I realized maybe I can do it. I, I don't need to, to um, expect someone else to do it, but I can do it. So I started talking to the couples and asking them, would you let me take the leftovers and that's how I started this, this uh, rescuing project in which in every wedding I rescue the, the leftovers and I feed homeless people uh, right here in Pittsburgh. And so last year, actually, um, I started seeing an increment in the number of women in the street. And that was especially triggering for me. I wanted to tell them that they were worthy of love and that they were worth fighting for. And I wanted to tell them, you can get out of the streets. You can get out of drugs. You can get out of the life that you have right now. You're not your circumstances. But it, it would have been really weird if I just walked to someone and said, you can do it. So I tried to find a way that I could give them that message and that it wasn't so uh, overwhelming for them. So at the moment, I had a lot of uh, makeup bags from an um, Ipsy subscription that I received every month. And my husband travels a lot, so we had a lot of hotel toiletries. So I started assembling these little bags with toiletries and little makeups and things like that. And I started writing handwritten notes and putting it in every single one of them. But eventually, I ran out of the ones that I had. So like any millennial, I decided to turn to Instagram. And I asked all my Instagram, does anybody have any of these things that want to collaborate? And within a week, I had hundreds of people dropping donations at my house. And so I had more than I needed because the, the homeless population in Pittsburgh is not that big. And I had like hundreds of staff. So I thought, who in the United States could be using these things, that it would be a group of women all together? And that is how I thought, oh, maybe the women at the border. I didn't know anything about the situation at the border, but I knew that if somebody was coming with nothing, they probably needed shampoo and soap. So I launched a campaign, and through Instagram also, to gather 1,000 of these toiletry kits. I received approximately 5,000 instead. Everybody in Pittsburgh helped through that. And then... I had to go and bring it to the border. And that is how I ended up doing all of this. What inspired you to take that step from recognizing that there was a problem and then deciding to do something about it? I do believe that each one of us has the opportunity to become proactive and engage in action. You can be somebody who sits on your couch and complain, or you can actually do something. And in my case, if it wasn't because people took action in the past and helped me, I wouldn't be here today. So I know it is important to be proactive because I, I can change somebody's life. That's it. And so that's my motivation. My motivation at the end is to change someone's life. Mm -hmm. Even if it's for five minutes. If for five minutes somebody feels that they're worthy, that they, they deserve better, that that that's plenty for me. Yeah. And that, and that relates some 
to your own experience, which you talked about some. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other aspects of your journey to where you are now that uh, would be helpful for young people to to know about uh, as they think about their journeys? I think when we are young, we think our story doesn't count, first mm-hmm. of all. And I had to connect to my own personal suffering in order to move forward and do something for others. And so I would love to encourage young people to look through their stories. Every one of us has a story and each of those stories are there for a reason. They're there to help us connect to others. And that's what life is about. It's about connecting to others. And so that will be my first, my first advice is look into your story because your story matters. Even if it's a short story, even if you're just 15 years old, there's still power in the experiences that you've gone through. And there's still power in your voice and what you have to say. Short lives are still lives. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if it's you, you have only lived, I don't know, five years. There's a still a story and there's a still power in what you've gone through. The second thing that I could advise someone is we don't need all the answers in order to embrace on a journey. I didn't know what was I going to find at the border. All I knew is that there was a lot of people here that wanted to help and that somebody needed that help. I didn't know how I was going to transport these items I didn't know how much money it was going to cost. I didn't know the logistics. I didn't know where exactly I was bringing them. I had never been to Texas. I didn't need all the answers. And so I embraced in this. And perhaps it's not the, the greatest way <laughs> to embrace a project like this. But if I had waited for the answers to all of this, I would not have ever ended up at the border. If I knew every answer about wedding photography, I would have never started my own business as a wedding photographer. And so if you realize there's a pattern in life where we don't need to know all the answers in order to do something, I guess when you're young, you, you may think that, oh, but I don't know how to do this. But we don't have to. We can learn in the process. And there's power in, in that process and in the way we learn things. Yeah. And that's such an incredible message. I was actually talking to somebody the other day about how, you know, when I was 15 or 16, one, I thought people my age were like incredibly old and two, that they had it all figured out. Uh, You know, one of the things that I've learned certainly as I've grown up and continue to grow is that we don't have it all figured out and that we're always learning and we're always uh, discovering things along the way. And hopefully we always continue to learn and don't stop. Yeah, and sometimes we are afraid that if we do something, we're going to mess up, there's going to be failure. And I, I love failure because I learned so much about it. I mean, every time that when we are starting to walk, every time we fall, we learn, I shouldn't put my feet this way. I shouldn't walk in this area. I should have done this or that. So that same experience is what we need to do in the rest of our lives, in the way we embrace life. We're, we are going to mess up, period. <laughs> so nobody has things figured out. And if we fail, that's great because it means that we're learning. And mm-hmm. the whole life, the entire life is all about failure and learning to uh, stand up and continue walking. 
Yeah. Cause not everything is going to be perfect. And I think we sometimes get, yeah. I sometimes get trapped. I'll speak for myself in, in like wanting something to be perfect, but all too often, or I don't know that anything is ever perfect. Uh, and so not letting that stop you from doing things. Yeah. It's an important lesson. I'm still learning. <laughs> we are all learning the same lesson. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'd love to hear about the wedding photographer. How did you find yourself doing that work and making that business? So when I came to the United States, um, I didn't speak a lot of English. And so I couldn't make friendships or like friends here. Uh, it was hard to establish friendships. I needed a way to tell my friends and family back at home the life that I was experiencing in the United States. So I started taking a lot of pictures of things that we didn't have down there, like pumpkin pie. How do you explain what pumpkin pie is when you don't have pumpkins? <laughs> and how do you explain the fall foliage when the trees don't turn yellow or red in the fall? And so I started taking a lot of pictures. And um, there was a point in my life that all that really brought me joy was taking pictures. So I thought, you know what? I should perhaps take pictures for people. Mm. Um, and so I thought, okay, what's the easiest or the simplest kind of business that I can establish? And I thought I'll be a family photographer, but only a few months after I took that decision and I started taking in clients, I realized that I hated families <laughs> and that's going to sound really bad. I know, I know, but, uh, I don't like the dynamic of mm. parents yelling at their kids, sit down, stay there. You know, that was super stressing for me. And so I thought I need to find a photography a style that will allow me to do candid photography but because I like that, but that also has a lot of adults and minimal kind of children. And so that's how I ended up in wedding photography. And I love it. I think my uh, inner Latin American person needs that constant party in her life and so working at an environment where people are partying all the time it's like being back at home <laughs> and and that's cool I like it <laughs> and that's how I ended up being a wedding photographer and as a wedding photographer I have a, a relationship of love and hate with wedding photography because in one side I love that the fact that it's a party and people are gathered together with their families and they are joyful and it's a joyful experience and a joyful event. But at the other side, I hate the waste. I mm. hate traditions. I'm a super not traditional person. And so I didn't like that part of the wedding industry. There was a point where I felt like a fish out of the water because I was doing something that it was not like me. I decided to change it. <laughs> and so I changed a few of the things uh, like what I've done with the, with the waist after the wedding. Through the wedding photography, I have continuously encouraged couples to remain intentional in their wedding days, to do things because they feel it, because it represents them, and not because uh, some dead person decided to establish that tradition in the past. So I really appreciate following your heart when it comes to something yeah. like a yeah. like a wedding. Yeah. And also I think there is an important lesson in the way I embrace things because sometimes uh we kind of like what we do, but we mm -hmm. don't like how things established. And so I would encourage anyone who is at an early 
early stage, for example, uh, trying to get into college and they like a career, but they're not fully committed because I don't know, they're going to have to be at a desk for the rest of their lives, for example, you don't have to settle for what's there. You can change it. You can change the system. And we, we all should be changing systems and um, not only, not only in, in systems like, like the way it's done, but also for me, it's very important to, to do a lot of social justice. It's, mm-hmm. it's the core of my heart. It's, it's in the center of my life. And so I really wanted to have weddings that were more into that category. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing, no relation between wedding and social justice. But I managed to create one and I managed to put them together. And, and there's a value in that. Everybody can change uh, things and make it their own and impact the world with that. So never yeah. settle. <laughs> yeah, that's a, great, that's a great motto right there. Never settle. COVID-19 has put a damper on the Worth Manifesto work at the border. Uh, once things mm-hmm. open back up, what are your plans? What, what comes next? The last campaign that I did at the border, um, I wanted to create more awareness because not a lot of people here knows what is what is happening there. And so I wanted to create more picture of that situation. But I thought it doesn't count too well if the pictures all come from me. So I invited other photographers, other uh, uh, wedding photographers from all over the country to come with me and to take pictures. And I think every voice as a photographer, as an artist is important. So each one of them took a series of picture and the goal was to put an exhibition, like a printed exhibition of pictures. Right now, because of the coronavirus, that will not be able to happen. And I'm not sure we'll be able to make it happen the, the second portion of the year. I'm kind of waiting until July to decide whether we put it or not. But if not, we're going to try to do something uh, like digital and mm-hmm. put it on the website. And in the meantime, the next project for Worth Manifesto, it's also along the lines of pictures. There's a lot of women at the border and each one of their stories is more horrific than the next one. And so I wanted to tell their stories, but I can't show their faces mm. uh, for, secu- for safety reasons. I can't really show their faces. And so we, uh, with a friend, we came up with this idea. What about if we do like a, like a cookbook where they can share a recipe that they're cooking at the camp? We show the way they cook so people can see the, the, how the environment is in which they're cooking. And along that, we want to tell their stories, their personal stories. Who's the person cooking? And so we will include the pictures, obviously, which is this, this awareness component. And we will include their story. But at the same time, we include food, which is something that it's so common for all of us. Everybody can connect to food. And at the same time, we will be documenting what are people eating at a refugee camp. That's a lot of purposes, but that's the plan. That's the plan to do. You know, I cook a lot. The books that I look at the most over and over again are probably the, are some of my cookbooks. Yeah. Because you'll pull them out over and over again. Like I have novels that I'll read, you know, a couple of times, maybe. Cookbook as a, 
is a type of book that gets used over and over again. So those stories really can sink in. And once again, I'm doing the same that I did with the wedding industry because there's no book like this in the market. There's no book that can unite uh, uh, such an important issue and current issue with something so normal as food. Hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm putting together this social justice element with the photography and the storytelling together. And so we'll see what happens because since there is not, nothing like this, uh, we're creating the path where mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. I mean, which is the name of this podcast that we make the road by walking. And I think that's, that's what's so inspiring about your story. There isn't necessarily a path that you had laid out before you, but you decided to make this road by walking. And that's such an important message for uh, young people to hear. If you could speak to young people, 15, 16 year olds here in Pittsburgh, who are trying to figure out their path, they're not quite sure what they want to do. Uh, is there anything you'd like to like them to hear? I think teenagers today are super lucky because they're aware of the, that the world is, is global. When I grew up, I, the only way for me to connect with the United States was through an encyclopedia, if I read an encyclopedia. But right now, they're lucky because they are seeing videos and, and pictures from people all over the world, and they are able to comprehend how big the world is, but at the same time, uh, how connected we are. And so the, the number one thing that I will tell teenagers in Pittsburgh is the world uh, is there for them. And that means that they don't have to stay in Pittsburgh. They can go and do and make things wherever they want to. And I want them to do it. The world needs them. The world needs their their voice and the world needs them changing things. And and people all across the world need their compassion and their proactiveness. And we need world changers. We need people that can step out and say, I want to change this and I'm going to do it. And that people can be people, kids from Pittsburgh. It can be teenagers from Pittsburgh. I didn't have to personally be living in Texas to know that there was a need there across in Matamoros, Mexico. And I didn't let the distance stop me uh, from making change and impacting lives in Matamoros, Mexico. I live in Pittsburgh and I continue my work in Matamoros and I continue planning and I continue gathering things. And so today it's so um, easy for us to connect with others because of the internet and because of social media and because of all the technology that we have. And so don't let the distance, don't let things stop them. Um, they can get out of here and they can, they can bring peace and, and hope to places where that doesn't exist. We had a, a visioning meeting the other night for the school. And there was this question that, that came up. Uh, that now I'm going to start asking people when I talk to them, uh, that because of this coronavirus and this quarantine, as educators, it's given us this chance to pause and ask ourselves, what do we want to leave behind? uh, And what do we want to make sure we carry forward? So when you look at 
the the world that was existing before this coronavirus. What do you want? What do you want to make sure that we leave behind uh, when we come back out of these stay-at-home orders? And what do you want to make sure that we carry forward? So, um, I personally kind of love this this coronavirus situation. I mean, I don't love that people is getting sick and dying, obviously. Right. But I love that before this crisis, we were in a constant rush to the next event, to the next item, to the next thing. And it has forced us to stop and to just wait. And we, we had kind of forgotten how to wait. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that I am here. Uh, Sandra is here in Pittsburgh uh, in self-isolation at home. My friends in Pittsburgh are doing the same. My friends in the rest of the United States are doing the same. And then my friends in Chile and in Spain and in Italy, and they're all doing the same. So it, it has made me realize that we're all the same. It's mm-hmm. a confirmation that we're all the same. And I like that we are, as a world, we're all going through the same at the same time. I like it because once again, it confirms that there's no differences between us. There's no differences between different colors, different languages, different um, schedules, different careers. We're just all the same. Through this quarantine, I have learned that I can live without shopping. I can live without a car. I can live without so many things, without going out for dinner but I cannot live without books or music or art, Mm -hmm. art in general. I would love kids to realize how important that is, that they connect to art and that they connect to others, that they understand the importance of being intentional, Mm -hmm. that we all slow down and we take this as a lesson to slow down in life. And I hope they're learning like me, the beauty behind waiting. I agree with you 100%. (laughs) Thanks. 100%. I would like to finish by saying something uh, that I always say. First of all, I told you at the beginning, everybody's stories are important, are meaningful and valuable. Um, Our stories are there so others know that they're not alone in their own journey. And to maintain... um, their well-being through this quarantine where we're all kind of struggling. I would love to encourage everyone who listens to um, forget about them a little bit Mm -hmm. and pay more attention to the surroundings, to the people around them and their needs to serve others uh, with passion and love because there's so many people that needs us right now. This week has been an impactful week for me uh, and a very meaningful week. I received a message from someone um, on Facebook that's so um, somebody posting, how do I self-deport? And I thought to myself, self-deport? You can only think about self-deportation when you are absolutely desperate. And so I reached out to this person and the person asking for that happened to be a undocumented 24 year old boy 
who was working in um, San Jose, California. And when the coronavirus came, they shut down the restaurant where he worked and he ended up without a job. He quickly ran out of saving and he couldn't afford a room where he was living anymore. So he ended up in the street. And so he was desperate to go back home, which uh, it happened to be Chile, just hmm. my, my country. We're actually from the same town. But the thing is, because of coronavirus, the borders of Chile are closed and there are currently zero airplanes going there. So he couldn't even do that. And so I couldn't help him in uh, San Jose. So I did what I think everybody would do. And I said, I want you to come stay here. The problem is that was like literally at the other side of the country. And so he said, okay. I mean, he didn't have a choice. It was that or the street. And so that same afternoon, I hadn't even told my husband what was happening. And he took a bus that took four days to get to Pittsburgh. And after four days, he arrived here. And now he's staying with me. He's living with me. This story may be a little um, extreme for some people. Not everybody can invite a a homeless to their house, you know, but Everybody can take a look around. Uh, There's immigrants all through the United States and immigrants like me are here alone. I have elderly neighbors and everybody can bake them something and just make them feel like they're not alone. It is important for all of us to turn to others and give give, uh, sense to our lives by helping others. Mm -hmm. And whenever we help others, we realize that our problems are nothing and we actually, uh, our soul gets fed. Mm-hmm. And so it's important during a time where we think, Oh, why do I have to stay here? I don't want to be inside the house anymore. Why can I go shopping? I want to go to the movies and everything is like me, me, me and my needs. It's important to turn to others and pay attention to our surroundings and who's around us and do something for them. Even through, even from the house, we can still do something for others. I cook my neighbors a lasagna, uh, just so they didn't have to cook one night. I have been delivering groceries to uh, people who doesn't have any. I have been delivering other kinds of stuff to other undocumented immigrants that I am aware of. And just like that, you just get creative and try to turn to others. Mm-hmm. That's my wellness tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope people hear it and they and they take your advice. Um, you know, to you included. I included. I will <laughs> certainly take your advice. It's a challenge for everyone. <laughs> it is. It is a challenge. It's it's easy to turn a blind eye, and it's easier to not do anything. Um, but you're absolutely right that it feeds it feeds your soul. It does connect us all together as a community of human beings uh, across the world. Um, I think if everyone took your advice, the world would be a very different place, uh, a much yeah. more just and equitable place. So hopefully everyone will hear this and they'll, they'll all take your advice to heart. That's the goal. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life is about connection. And mm-hmm. so whenever we connect to others, we are happier. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I love it. And also, also, uh, we have to remember that we don't know what, what kind of impact uh, what we do is creating someone else. Uh, when I lived in the street, sometimes people gave me a bottle of water, 
which is nothing. It's just water. But it saved my day from dehydration. And so, and that was a constant challenge for me to obtain water. And so we never know where we're going to find someone else when we help them. So there's the, there is the potential that each of us can literally save a life with what we do. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I, um, not only your story, but also your, your spirit and the message that you have is inspiring for me. So I'm sure it will be for the, the young people and the, the not young people who listen to this as well. Um, so thank cool. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for letting me talk with you. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm too positive and I'm too uh, challenging to others. <laughs> so I hope uh, people t- that listen to this take it well and they actually do something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That they, yeah. they take it well and they actually do something. Yeah. They, they become active active uh, they take action in what mm-hmm. needs them wonderful well i i hope they will as well and uh thank you again i hope you enjoyed our conversation with sandra i know that i did uh, you can find her work at worthmanifesto.com we make the road by walking is a production of city of bridges high school please subscribe please give us some great reviews share with your neighbor the purpose of this podcast is to get as many stories as we can out there to as many ears uh, as can hear them. So please, share what we do, and if you have a story that you want to tell, reach out. Music for City Bridges is composed by Kelly and Chris Miskus. Thank you all for joining us this week. See you next time. Take care. Take care.